Welcome back to another season. Woo! You heard that right, folks. A brand new season. How long has it been, Brent, since we had another season? Oh, man. man well, by the time people are listening to this, it's probably been like a month or two. It's probably been, yeah, I'd, say, I'd probably say like a month and a half. Man, I know you missed us. I know yep. I know that. Those like, years been aching for the boys. Yeah, I mean, what else do you do when you're at home in quarantine? Not much. I mean, watch movies. I've been watching, I've been watching like a startling amount. You mean you don't listen to our podcast just on repeat and ignore your child and wife? Listen, I got to walk a fine line. I do do that sometimes, but sometimes I have to pull myself back and say, listen, I can't just listen to our podcast yeah, I and know watch it, movies all the time. It's literally heroin, this podcast. I mean, like, listen, how could you go without it? We're, we're addicted to it. We're addicted to it. And I we mean, hope you are too. Yeah, of course you are. And <laughs> if you didn't hear on the prior podcast, this season is... Japanese director, renowned Japanese director, Akira Kurosawa. I'm very excited yeah, about him. I've been wanting to do him for a long time. Since pretty early on, I feel like. Uh, yeah. and, and we're facing him off against a director I really love, a uh, British director, so fully international this season. is, is fully foreign directors. Have we had anybody that's not American or British? <laughs> or British. That, yeah. uh, Jesus, let me Man, think. I, I don't, don't think so. Think so? Um, yeah, no, but yeah, this in. is a very... That's what's so exciting about it, I think, that we yeah. have some uh, country diversity now. I just realized know. I didn't even say the name. I said what? British, Oh, and then I didn't even say David Lean. Yeah, David Lean. is the guy who I picked. Leaning um, on David. We're leaning on David. <laughs> Let's just take a guess now how many like. times we're going to make... A lean in joke this season. Yeah, I'm gonna say ten to fifteen at least. Well, I People mean, you, you're us. not looking at much at like fun jokes for Akira Kurosawa other than the anime movie. Yeah, Akira. I mean, unless you're like a Republican senator running for re-election, that wasn't like, the route I was going <laughs> for. But <laughs> and you're just like kind of having fun with people's names. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but uh, no, yeah, it's it's interesting in a, in a few ways. It's you know the first kind of fully international. Uh, face off here. It's also the most kind of like classical, like classical directors that we've we've covered in terms of mm-hmm. their their status and and who they've influenced. Yeah, that's the what years. that's what's interesting about um, this season is that they're firmly in the past right now. Like, there's no, there's mm-hmm. nothing new. They're both dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they are. Yeah, and they had a huge impact on on film today mm-hmm. and i mean steven spielberg and and stanley kubrick are probably the oldest um filmmakers that we did mm-hmm. and kubrick you know like he passed away but he's still like everybody you know everybody yeah. everybody knows kubrick and he has very modern quote unquote films yeah well these are a, a bit more in the uh how do you say uh, i wouldn't say golden age of of Hollywood, because that's more like the that's a, that's kind of the American side. It's the like American they they kind side, of influenced yeah. and were influenced by I think what was going on in Hollywood, yeah, in many ways. But also, yeah, I think both of them heavily influenced uh, American directors. Like you have, um, uh, you know, like westerns being heavily influenced by the works of Kurosawa. You have 
uh, more kind of modern modern guys like like Spielberg and, and many many like uh, I guess you'd say like cinematic or like like big Hollywood. And your favorite boy, your favorite boy in the entire world. Oh, Mr. Spielberg himself. No. Oh, who? No. Who? George 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 Lucas. <laughs> The, who directly yeah. ripped off? <laughs> yeah, no, I shouldn't say directly ripped off. Oh, are you talking about? Uh, I mean, all his films, man. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm like George oh. Lucas was so influenced by Akira Kurosawa that he produced like a bunch of his like films in the the later right? years. Yeah. yeah, the later years for for him, which were kind of rough, actually. Like in terms of like his his fame and his access to be to be able to make what he wanted, it kind of mm. became a little tougher for him later on, but. But yeah, no, it's like Lucas, Spielberg. It's funny, Lucas was very influenced by Kurosawa. Spielberg heavily influenced by David Lean and like a lot of his like mm-hmm. his epics. Like if you watch something like Empire of the Sun, that's a David Lean movie basically. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, and so it, it the my thinking in this kind of season was almost a like director showdown origins in a lot of ways. <laughs> the, the, um, yeah, director showdown prequels. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's kind of a <laughs> Yeah. That's fun. The prequel, uh, a little little movie movie fun jokes. Some some movie jokes there. Movie jokes. Um, but even though even though I, you can't really say for season one with Kubrick because Kubrick was more influenced by like Bergman and like kind of like French New Wave stuff. I feel like he loved like Truffaut and yeah, you know guys like that. Uh, but I'm I'm sure like even somebody like him was heavily influenced by both of these guys. Yeah, yeah, you know? and I would even say like uh, Tarkovsky and. Uh, well, Tarkovsky and Kubrick mm-hmm. are very interesting. That's another conversation. But yeah. the, well, we'll cover Tarkovsky. Yeah. We'll we'll put him and Bergman Ooh, against Tarkovsky face and off, Bergman. and it'll be the most Ooh, yeah. commercial season yet. The We're listeners, gonna get so many fucking hits, baby! Oh my god, it's gonna be spectacular. Like <laughs> you, you just walk up to. Well, you don't walk up to people in quarantine, but if you could. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, do you listen to that Wild Strawberries episode of uh, Director Showdown? Who, man, that one was hot. The boys I, were hot on that one. I watched it like <laughs> five times after that podcast. Yeah, yeah. I could not get enough they of that. Just dissected movie. the hell out of it. Um, but we, no, we're yeah. not it, to pretend like we're anywhere good as that. Is, <laughs> is, yeah, is inspired um, uh, to say the least. Hey, we can hope so. We can hope and we're we can getting dream. better. We're, we're getting better. We're getting Every season, there. man, we're Every learning season. new things. Yeah. Um, you know, we got we got some cool announcements coming y'all's way that I'm pretty stoked for, just to kind of put oh, a little uh, pin in yeah. that that will pay off in a few eps, maybe. Oh, you, um, you want to build them up very early. But, yeah, exactly. I don't even know what these are, but, what, you know. Hey. Who knows? We'll see. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, and um, I was I was really interested in... Lean because I haven't. I've I've only seen a few of like his biggest, uh, but I really love the ones I've seen. And um, I think you might have seen more lean stuff than I have because I think I've only seen Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. What, what else is he? Yeah. Uh, I'm Bridge Over River Kwai. See, that's great. always been on my list, and I just never had the yeah. opportunity. Alec, Gen- that's why Alec yeah. Guinness is in Star Wars. I think oh, really? uh, because that was the big one for George Lucas, but. Uh, Brief Encounter, which we're going to talk about next week, which I think is a gr- that's his first movie, and it's really stunning mm. that that's his first movie. But, um, but yeah, I was, I was fascinated to do Kurosawa too because I pretty Kurosawa to me is kind of like 
I don't know, just like kind of like a big blind spot, even though I've seen a couple now. Yeah. Like you let me borrow the um, Yojimbo and, and Syndrome. The samurai uh, duology. Uh, yeah, the uh, samurai movies. Yeah. Um, and I, I watched uh, Hidden Fortress 2. Um, you didn't watch... Um, Seven uh, Samurai. The, uh, uh, what is it called? It starts with an S. I feel bad. It's because uh, like uh, Yojimbo and Sanjuro are on the same... A criterion collection. Yeah. 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 And I let you borrow that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Hidden Fortress. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one we're talking today, Rashomon. Rashomon. I had never seen. Yeah. And you know, what's so funny is that like, I'll, I'll, I'll just go up to bat already that I think it's, it's probably, it, it, it's probably one, probably my favorite Kurosawa film, honestly. Um, oh man. Okay. And I know that I'm building it up already, but I think because it's just so, it's such a deviation from what Kurosawa really does, like what he's known for. Yeah. You know, we always talk, I'm not trying to beat down because I love all his other movies. I love Seven Samurai and um, Yojimbo. Mm-hmm. And he has a fuck ton of films too that I have not 30, seen. 30, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. He was very prolific, but Rashomon is very unique and it really stands out. And I think it, it provides a very good um, waypoint in the development of film as a storytelling medium. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's so interesting while I was watching it. Uh, and I, I want to circle back around and get into like um, Kurosawa a little bit, kind of a little bit of history in this first episode on him. But um I found it so interesting that this came out in 1950. Mm. It's like the, I don't know, because it, it seems when you're watching it, it's kind of deceptively simple. Modern. Yeah, it's yeah. simple in in kind of the the storytelling, which I can only attribute to his skill as a director, even at such a young age. I think he was 40, which for him, that was early on in his career. He made so many movies after this. Yeah, he was 42. And yeah. that's just like... Directors, man, you can get started late. Hey, yeah, we're we're st- we're not forty two yet. Hey, here's hoping. A couple thirty year old <laughs> boys. Yeah, uh, no, he did a bunch of assistant directing for the yeah. war and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, propaganda. Um, I, I don't know. Probably did propaganda stuff, but yeah, he was yeah he was working on he was an assistant director I think during the war, but mm. um, but yeah, Rashomon it felt very. It felt very like a new wave, almost experimental '60s movie to me. Oddly oh, enough, yeah, but he made it sure. so much before that, before those mm-hmm. guys were even like, like before they were probably even teenagers. Like mm-hmm. it's so crazy to me. Yeah. So the screenplay was based on a short story called mm-hmm. "In in, I, a, in a Groove." In a grove. Uh, in a grove. Yeah. yeah. Not a groove. <laughs> Hey, he's uh, in a group. He's, uh, he's in a group. I was reading the subtitles, so uh, you know <laughs> they didn't pronounce it correctly for him. Oh yeah, um, yeah, in a grove, and uh, I saw this all on. Shout out to uh, Criterion Collection for having cool uh, documentary stuff and information, so we can provide yeah. that. I can I can dumb it down for everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, and it, uh, uh, long story short, apparently it was just a whole bunch of. Um, just kind of lucky interactions with people who know the right people and just worked his way all the way to Kira Kurosawa. Yeah. Who, uh, who really liked it. And then 
Akira Kurosawa, apparently what he does is that he writes it as like an, a novel first and then does the screenplay again after. Mm-hmm. At least that's what... It, I, don't, I don't know if that's the situation that happened here. But uh, the screenwriter, uh, I was watching an interview and he's so... It's, it's really adorable. He's just like... He's just in such awe of Akira Kurosawa. He's giving him so much praise and he's just like... You know, I, you know, I did, yeah. I did well, but you know, he's, he's, he's the guy. That's so, that's so you know, Japanese. It's so Japanese. Too, yeah. But what he did say was like, you know, I, cause he's written screenplays for, you know, Japanese cinema. Yeah. And uh, he said he had a feeling that Rosh, well, in a grove was like the one, like it was the one that was going to stand out. Like yeah. He had, and he was right. I mean, like Rashomon really stands out as as a film that attributes a lot to its screenplay, I think. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think it's a movie. Yeah. That, that it's, it's hugest benefit. I think is the, the script for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is a good segue to talk about kind of like his, his kind of rise to, to power this being like Rashomon was far and away the movie that <clears throat> this movie was so fucking massive that it won the golden lion uh, mm-hmm. in Venice, which he didn't even know it was submitted for. Like somebody <laughs> submitted it before yeah. behind his back and then he ended up winning it. Um, it was so, it was such a success that it like single handedly made America take note of Japanese cinema. Yeah. Cause it was 1950. It was post-war. Um, I can, I could imagine that there's probably a lot of like anti Japanese sentiment still in America, but, <clears throat> uh, it's a movie that was, like beloved in America pretty fast and then was like received with like a lot of like lukewarm feelings in Japan, which I find so really funny. interesting. I, 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 that seems to happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, I know, I know there's like a lot of Japanese directors who just make films and they never like really take off in Japan mm-hmm. and then they get their American audience and all of a sudden like, yeah, they get yeah. legs overseas. They get legs overseas. Yeah, yeah it, it's Did, interesting. Was this movie responsible for just like how successful Japan is nowadays? Because now it's now everybody yeah. loves Japan because of Rashomon, because <laughs> so of their culture, man. Yeah, no, yeah. I think I think uh, that's definitely something to think about for sure. And like we can kind of track with like the later movies that he does. But um, well, yeah, how, I mean, how do you establish relationships with countries? You know, you have to send culture. Yeah. And film is such a great way to mm-hmm. to communicate culture to uh, yeah. a, a foreign country. Yeah, which is something that we've like never really talked about on the podcast because yeah. we've everything's been British or American. Like the two cultures have just always been intertwined in terms of like what yeah, there's is one, created in one. There's one thing to be proud of as an American is that there's such a dominant force mm. and like the film industry, like no one does it better, baby. You know, like that, that's America. Yeah, that's true. Like yeah. America is the, just the number one, like, yeah, I mean, like I'm not going to disregard other countries in terms of what, what they're able to do, but they, you can't deny just the, the, yeah. um, the sheer amount of talent that was outpoured in cinema is, history in America. Yeah, for yeah. sure. The infrastructure for it was kind of, there from a ver- from literally like the early 1900s 
um, which is when, uh, yeah, Kurosawa was born in 1910. Early, crazy. Yeah, it's such a fucking long time ago. But early on, his dad saw the merit, the educational merit in film. Like, even though it was still like it was just coming out, it was like. He's like, Kurosawa, do you see the, the the train driving at the screen? I think this is going to be something one day. <laughs> this is going to pop. Joke, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but no, yeah, he saw the merit in it. And then Kurosawa was uh, a painter. He wanted to be a painter for like decades uh, and then got into uh, assistant directing when something fell through with, with painting. And I, I think like two of his brothers died um, after he started like helping them out with mm. directing stuff. Well, wow, it's crazy how <clears throat> when people fail a painting, they do crazy stuff after that, huh? Yeah. Boy, almost <laughs> at the same the same art institute yeah, but that hilarious. turned down yeah. a young little German boy. German boy. Or Austrian. It was an yeah. Austrian school. Yeah. yeah. And we don't we don't have to say we anymore. Don't say anything. He went and did his thing. And, and Kurosawa pivoted and said, I'm gonna help out these these directors making uh, making movies. I'm pretty interested in this. His first, God, I can't pretty, believe we made that I'm connection. Pre- I'm pretty interested in this. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. His his first assistant directing job was at a company called PCL, which would turn into Toho, um, mm-hmm. who went on to do all the Godzilla movies. But yeah, he was an assistant director for a decade, decade and a half, until he realized that screenwriting was where the money was at, mm-hmm. uh, and he wrote screenplays for a few years until. Um, Toho uh, yeah. apparently had a labor dispute. I don't know the specifics behind it. Yeah. And that's why uh, this is... Uh, da- I can't pronounce it. It starts with a D, but this is a diff- This is not Toho, this, this studio. Oh, this one's... Yeah, this yeah. one's not. It was... It was um, but yeah, the, he, to, he had to work yeah. with that new studio now because mm-hmm. of Toho dropping out. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Thanks, labor unions. That's That's... But then again, you know, what them happens? protesting uh, gave us a beautiful film, Rashomon. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know what else I really wanted to cover as far as kind of like his... Oh, he was, he was named uh, post, posthumously, so it was after he died, was named Asian of the Century, <laughs> which is a pretty wild moniker to give somebody. Asian of the Century, huh? Uh, one of the five people who most prominently contributed to the improvement Ooh. of Asia in the 20th century. I can see that yeah. for sure. Just how we talked about, you know? Yeah. Being able to get away from imperialist Japan and make something that is just like deeply human, like these films, mm-hmm. to show them they're not just a bunch of monsters, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, let's not deny the war atrocities that, you know, that occurred by the Japanese um, Imperial Army. Yeah. So it was just, it's wonderful to see how Kurosawa can humanize um, his people. And I yeah. think this film is definitely an exploration on uh complexity of the human experience yeah absolutely i i I forgot to bring this up this ties in directly to what you're just talking about Mm. akira's older brother by four years oh that cut it off in the aftermath of the great kanto kanto earthquake of 1923 in in pokemon Yes, he lived in the <laughs> it's Pokemon. Ca- it's Kanto, dude. <clears throat> yeah, remember? that's it's spelled the same way, just with a yeah. It's the Kanto region where you start yeah. off as is Ash, and he 
He didn't experience it. Was it now, was it done by a, a sand shrew or something? Yes. When I read what I'm about to read, you are gonna feel like I'm gonna shit. feel like shit, aren't I? Yeah. Okay. That's that's the only way I would uh yeah. Um <clears throat> yes, in the aftermath of the Great Kanto earthquake of nineteen twenty three. Uh, his older brother, Haigo, took the 13-year-old Akira to view the devastation. When the younger brother wanted to look away from the human corpses and animal carcasses scattered everywhere, Haigo forbid him to do do so, encouraging Akira to instead face his fears by confronting them directly. No, that's great. Something that... Um, that's what we should all do, honestly. Yeah, it makes me think of somebody like uh, Paul Verhoeven, who uh, was growing up in Nazi-occupied Poland when he was a kid. I didn't and know would that. see. Wow. Yeah, would see literally just like piles of bodies piled up outside of his apartment. And it's like you can see that the guy has a lot to say about violence and our, you know, aversion to it and stuff like that in his movies. Mm. Uh, But yeah, that feels like something that's important for uh, a young Kurosawa to see to Mm. make the movies that he did. Those damn sand trees, man. The sand... This fucking, what they did in Kanto those in ma- Those mass genocidal <laughs> sand <laughs> Canceled sand <true. laughs> Let's get it going, folks. Cancel, <laughs> Cancel sand true. No more earthquake. I don't even know if they did do the earthquake. They, they, you could probably, learn earthquake as a sand true, I'm pretty sure. It was just the first Pokemon that was like a ground type that like I thought of. It could yeah. be Onyx or something. I mean, it, it might have been Geodude who did the Dude, the that guy Kanto seems earthquake. like he kills people. For yeah, sure. Geodude <laughs> is got some real B B R E big rock energy. I don't know. Oh um, my god. Yeah, like you you just look at him like that guy's up to no good. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that that Geodude. That guy's bad news. <laughs> he floats around with Rock fist. Yeah, flexing all the time. <laughs> Looks like an asshole. Yeah. God damn it. You know what it was? A, I'm sorry, Sandrews. You guys are cute. Geodudes, yeah. f- fuck off. Yeah, Geodudes are responsible for a lot of uh, Earth's atrocities, <laughs> I'm pretty confident. In the Kanto region, at least. <laughs> <In> the can- <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, no, that's, that's kind of all I wanted to say as a precursor to... Kind of uh, Kurosawa's upbringing and stuff. A lot of a lot of interesting stuff there. Uh, yeah, and something that uh, that I was talking about him being an assistant director. Um, it seems like he. I don't know. Is, is that a bigger thing in Japan than America? The whole yeah, it's got to be the whole like uh, like protege culture of like like you're gonna you're gonna be an understudy you apprentice. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna apprentice. Um, you fired. Yeah, for like a decade or a decade and a half before you even start writing or directing stuff. So I think he clearly learned a shit ton mm-hmm. in that time. Um, that just, I just feel like Americans don't, don't do that at all. We're too, the capitalism, I think weeds that shit out a little bit. Well, yeah, we, we just go straight for yeah. it. You know what I mean? Just yeah. It's, it's, it's all fucking, or nothing. Yeah. yeah. Just go start making a movie or, yeah. or, or direct a bunch of music videos until, uh, I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's kind of like being an apprentice almost. I a guess little so. bit, yeah. I mean, Michael Bay was the apprentice of uh, uh, of your boy. So <laughs> of who? Take, take, take oh, that a picture. As, take that as you will. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, they're both as acclaimed as one another. So I mean, uh, I don't. Michael Bay's good. I, you heard it here first. I mean, you know, we'll talk about it one day. Him I versus mean, Bobby Z. filmmaking, he's good. Yeah, you that's can't deny objective. that. Yeah. Stories. You know, maybe he should hire a screenwriter. I you don't know, know. He's not a screenwriter. He's, he's not, not a, a Kurosawa on the page. 
But he ma- he makes cool commercials. <laughs> every shot commercial. It's like there's a there's a YouTube video. Every shot a painting that I YouTube channel that I watch. Yeah, yeah. It's like his would be every shot a commercial. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> every shot a Bud Light. Oh, and then man, just get yeah. a get a three hour supercut of all the Bud Light advertisements within his Transformers movies. Yeah. God damn it. Um, why why didn't they have a Bud Light Transformer at that point? Oh, see, that's a good idea. So you, you just doubled, just go crazy. Yeah, just at that point, have like a Bud Light truck <laughs> morph into a night, a full a night. Yeah, a, a night because they have the Bud Light night because that's a thing. Oh my god! And, and he, right. yeah, and he's like a fucking yeah, Mickey and he can be asshole. voiced by Ryan Reynolds. Oh, man, and he's like perfect choice. Bud Light. How about Aviation Gin, which is his brand of, of gin. I know too is, much about Ryan Reynolds for what? some reason. I don't know. He has a gin company that he sold for six hundred million dollars. Jesus Christ! You know he's doing fine. He's all right. <sighs> nah, he's doing fine. He's doing fine. Um, but yeah, we're talking like we have been for the last twenty minutes. Mm. Should we Rosh do a spoiler free review? For all those who want to... Uh, uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I guess the spoiler-free review, I will quick, say, like, yeah. yeah, like, my knowledge of this movie was, first off, it, it influenced many, many movies and many techniques used in many movies um, in the 70 years since this has come out. Uh, the Rashomon effect. Years. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. right? Um, the Rashomon effect is, is a cinematic Mm. thing now. It's like a phrase that's used. Uh, it was even used in a film that I have to reference every episode, the last Jedi. Oh yeah. Um, to great effect in that film. Uh, and you mean use like (laughs) two times and the, it's three. three. Okay. (laughs) Um, but what was I going to say? The Last Jedi. You didn't say it. So oh, yeah. The Last Jedi. In the film The Last Jedi. Yeah, we, we, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that was always my, my understanding of this movie was the kind of, I won't say trope because it like originated it, but like the concept of a story, the same events told through multiple yeah. viewpoints. Basically. Can, I, can I make up the Rashomon? I'll make up another, I'll coin another term for it. For yeah, that. yeah. The Rashomon laugh. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Oh god, his fucking these laugh. The laugh. If there's any reason you should watch this movie, it's the laughs. L- it's, there's it's, a it's, lot of good laughs. There's a lot of good laughs. And listen, I guess I guess we should mention a guy who we're gonna mention probably every fucking I know. Kurosawa episode, Toshiro Mifune. I'm just gonna go by Mifune because I can't say the first Mifune. Name. Yeah, I, I forgot his first name. I had to look it up. Yeah. Um, a guy who uh yeah, is like is like a staple of he's I think like thirteen a, or fourteen of Kurosawa's he's movies. He's like the a Kurt Russell to John Carpenter, the uh yeah. Uma Thurman to <laughs> to Tarantino, the Who else has Mifunes? Like I'm, I'm trying to think. A lot of a lot of directors like to work with Spielberg. Him. Doesn't really um, Spielberg to um, happy endings to happy endings. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, uh, it's usually those like uh, <clears throat> Rob Rodriguez and uh, what's his name, the Zorro guy. Oh, Antonio Banderas, Antonio Zorro guy. 
That's that's a that's a decent <laughs> one. Yeah, that's yeah. a decent one. Uh, he yeah. wasn't an Alita, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, probably could have benefited from some Banderas at that one a bit. Um, we could all you benefit from f- some Banderas, from, right? Yeah, a little now. bit of Banderas. We need a little bit of Banderas <laughs> in our lives. I think everybody. <laughs> Tell me if you disagree or agree, audience. Yeah. Hashtag. Little bit of Banderas. Little bit of Banderas. L I L B I T O Banderas. Um, and at him, does he have a Twitter handle? I'm course, sure. No, he does. he's cool. Of course, he doesn't have a Twitter. Any he's sane cool. human yeah, doesn't have a Twitter. You're yeah. right. You're right. Um, but uh, yeah, to Shiro Mifune, mm. who this, uh, this is like his second feature. This is like really early on. Uh, I mean, he's looking like a snack in this one. Oh yeah, you you texted me how, and and I'm hesitant to say that because he plays yeah, a pretty a little, monstrous it's, rapist. It's pretty <laughs> problematic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he's a handsome guy. I mean, yeah, yeah he's a good looking guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's like a staple of of uh, Kurosawa's work, like for decades, basically. I'm um, uh, when when <clears throat> he was work when Kurosawa was working on the script, he always has the. The, at least the main characters with some actors in mind, he always gets Mufune in there. He definitely had Mufune for yeah. um, this role. Oh, and then okay. uh, the other minor characters, you know, you, you just get, like, he'll sprinkle out, like, later on and whatnot. Yeah. To, to fill in the things. But, I mean, like, it, it's hard to... I, I guess Kurosawa just saw something in him, and I'm glad he did, because uh, Mufune always does a great job. Yeah, he's and, he's uh, great in. Yeah. Um, well, he's so different in this. That's what I was kind mm-hmm. of thrown off by when I first started watching this, with how fucking oh, yeah. like extra and how like uh, over the <laughs> top, <laughs> like his insane fucking laugh. It really is just nuts. It's 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 really fucking Todd crazy. Phillips Joker level. Mifune would have been Todd Phillips' Joker if he was the same age don't now. Do that. I've, I listen. Don't put Col- Mifune culture is a poison, and I will poison whichever well I wish to. Man, we we <laughs> had to review the Joker now. Keep bringing it up. Oh, no, way. I don't think Todd Phillips' will. season. Jesus We're never Christ. when we do Let's a do Todd Phillips old season, school. Put a Starsky and Hutch Joker <laughs> due date. Remember due date? y'all remember due date. Hangover one, two, three. We'll have a three like we did with Dark Knight. We'll have a three-hour Hangover trilogy episode that ends in us. I mean, I enjoyed the first Hangover. I'll say. The, listen, the first one ages pretty bad, but was great. Gave when us, I was watching. It gave us Brad. It really brought Bradley Cooper to the to the you know that is that is to true. The scene to um, the fray. Put him in play. You it know? did. So and we can um, we can think. We can think Hangover for American Sniper. Yeah, it's a weird <laughs> couple of dots to connect, but I guess you kind of have to do you it. You kind of have to. Um, God, what were we talking about? Yeah, Mifune, Mifune, yeah, I was yeah. so thrown by how um, animated and like... Uh, <laughs> because in it's, it's Yohimbo... It's melodramatic. And, it's yeah, melodramatic. it's super melodramatic. And Sinjuro and Yohimbo, he's so dialed back like he's yeah. he's the he's the clint eastwood in yeah good the bad and the ugly essentially mm. um so when i saw this i was he, like oh this guy usually guy's... plays the straight man yeah you know in kurosawa's films and i i had seen 
uh, Seven Samurai and Yohimbo and I'm curious to see what he's like in Samurai because I haven't I haven't seen that one. Yeah, well, you, you probably wouldn't be surprised. The thing is, I was surprised when I saw him in Rashomon because yeah. I didn't expect him to be this like malignant, uh, extroverted yeah, like a, yeah. bandit. You know? Yeah, man, he's like a a like a source of cosmic darkness in this movie. He's so yeah. like throughout it, I was like, oh man, this this is like the most evil guy. Yeah. And it's it's so funny that it starts with, and I guess we can just get into it. We can get into kind of what happens in the movie. Mm. Um, that the first, what do you call it? Like vignette, I guess. The first vignette is his. Yeah, which um, makes the most sense that it would start off with the most unreliable one. Yeah, yeah. Uh. the most unreliable narrator. Yeah, and it, and it starts kind of like the frame story of these two, and then eventually three guys who are kind of like taking shelter in this. I guess. Underpass, yeah. overpass, it's not even a, overpass. It's, uh, a, it's a temple. A temple. It's a, a let's Rashomon temple. temple. Mm-hmm. Um, the it was built like in the movie. It says that it was built to to talk about the the demon Rashomon who ran away from the temple because of humanity's ferocity. Yeah. I, I, I like that so much. The, and it's that's so, not... so interesting. They don't even say yeah. that until the very end, right? No, it was at the beginning, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Because they, they, they pan up to the, the sign, the, and it says uh, yeah. Rashomon. He talks... The, the priest... Uh, it's a priest and like a... Uh, priest, the woodcutter, woodcutter and yeah. some sort of... Just tr- bandit, bandit slash traveler guy, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, who's who gives off some real Joker vibes and <laughs> bring it. Oh, back. the guy who cu- who is listening to the story, yeah, yeah, the guy for who's sure. To that guy's story. got a real wild energy too. Yeah, he's like see you know <laughs> see the world burn and whatnot. Oh, yeah, for sure, type guy. Yeah. But um, yeah, and then the monk is is or the priest is completely um his whole world philosophy has been turned upside down because he heard the story that the uh, he was there at the trial mm-hmm. uh about the recent events and he's just become very cynical and skeptical of humanity mm-hmm. and so uh he tells the stories it he t- and this was interesting is that He's the one who's telling the story of what he observed. So already there's a layer of reality. Yeah. The the woodcutter, right? No, the the priest. The priest is he's the one who first talks about what he heard at the trial. Oh yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. And uh you have Mifun who's the bandit who's the first to come up and well, no, it's actually the woodcutter who talks about he just saw a hat and a dead guy reported to the police. That's it. That's all he says. Yeah. Real quick. And the priest was like, I saw them traveling. So that's why both of us were called to the trial. To testify. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love what Kurosawa and the cinematographer do, does in that, the trial where they speak directly to the audience as if we're the interrogators of, the, yeah. of what's going on to kind of give you that frame of mind where you're the one who has to listen to these people. Yeah. And decipher like what you're, it is. We're the jury, on. like yeah. watching watching the movie. Yeah. And it's it's just so interesting because you know, I I don't think film has really done to where it's like because this happens all the time. Like you you know you go to go to trial and then you have to hear someone's story and you have to decipher whether it's real or not. But with film, like 
you kind of before this, it's always just in a kind of an objective reality. Like you see, yeah. Like you see, it's tangible, and you can see it, and you already understand what's truth behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's like when you're starting off with like someone who's talking to you, staring into the camera, and you see what they're narrating to the reality starts to uh disseminate a bit the objectiveness of the truth mm-hmm. goes into more of a subjective uh recalling of reality and i, I like this so much because this is basically the whole film mm-hmm. is just how reality is shaped by our perception of it and what we want to and how we express how we express our ideal selves and how we, and maybe that's what actually colors our perception of reality. And it's, we, there's no straight up, like, like it's all true and not true. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And that's, what's so cool about it. Well, in the, that's, that's what's still kind of blowing my mind about this movie. The fact that it came out in 1950 when that's like, that's such a, I don't know, man. That's such an experimental experimental, idea for the art form that, um, I don't know, like you, you even have from the beginning when like the camera work in this movie is doing some pretty incredible stuff as far as portraying what's objective, what's subjective, where I can't remember who it's following. It's either following, um, what's the bandit's name? Mifune's character's name. Yeah. I think it was just the true. Oh, Taro, Taro something. Yeah, yeah something like that. Tinjuro, Tinjuro or something. Yeah. I can't remember if it's following him or it's following the woodcutter even before that. But it's the, the way, woodcutter. The woodcutter, the when he's yeah. walking through the woods. That was a long, I saw that in the yeah. documentary, is a long dolly on a track through yeah, the woods. But yeah, but it's so cool because the, the camera is at times feeling like it's, like a voyeur, like it's far away that it's observing this guy at mm. times falling directly behind him, I guess also kind of in a voyeuristic way. And then it's cutting to the shot of the, the sunlight yeah. through the leaves, through the trees, which is almost like, uh, like the truth is obscured by, you know, what's blocking it almost. Yeah. Like the I ultimate mean, truth of that, the light. You that's, know? uh, that's right on the money. I mean, there's no, there's definitely a reason why it was done in this like this this arboreal uh maze. You know, mm-hmm. like you're you're deep in the woods. Yeah. And it's like when when he's guiding when the bandit's guiding the uh the uh the the, the man you don't know where they're going. Like he's just going through all these bushes. There's no trail. You don't know what's happening. And it's kind of setting yeah. up that unreliableness of like, like of yeah. the situation. It's like, where are you taking yeah. us Kurosawa? What's, what's going on? Mm. This is going to, yeah, the, yeah. The external surroundings are communicating the point of the film of like how uncertain, uh, mm-hmm. perception of reality is. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think about it like that. That's yeah. really, that's really cool. Yeah, that he did it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, essentially the whole bandit or Mifune's bandit character, yeah, it sets it up on a very unreliable grounding, uh, which is kind of, 
Yeah, and I already knew it was a red flag when he started like making out with the wife and then she gets into it like immediately. Yeah. I was like, Yeah, I don't uh I don't think I don't that's what that happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that that's what's so interesting is like I like the the bandits part is is almost uh I, I'm shooting from the hip here, but uh it's almost like it was a commentary on just like generalized like action movies. Because when you have them, yeah. When you have uh, the Mufune uh, standoff, the duel between him and the man, it's like this fucking Errol yeah. Flynn like thing. It's so you know? heroic and like swashbuckling, yeah. and yeah. And they're all very precise. Like it's an even battle, and they're just like going at each other. Yeah. And it's just like I have honor as a bandit, and I'll let you. But in the at the end, I you know. I won. Yeah, exactly. I killed him with honor and sort of, sort of thing. Yeah, I'm trying to. There's something because he wants, because that's his reality. Is like he wants to be able to communicate. Yeah, I'm a bandit, but I still have like honor. Yeah, you know, like he already knew that he. I mean, to him, like he knew that he killed him, and he knows that he's gonna get. He's gonna be hung. You know, he's gonna be hanged. Yeah, there's no doubt in his mind. So he's like, I might as well look good. And feel good about, like, my actions before, like, you know, kicking the bucket Mm -hmm. and have people, like, respect me before going, you know? Because that's a way of coping, a coping strategy of his inevitable doom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all, yeah. I mean, that's still kind of, like, what I'm, I'm chewing on with this movie. It's all about, like, how character, who these people are, colors their version of reality that they're selling to other people. Well, it's almost just like a, I mean, have you heard of CBT? Like cognitive behavioral therapy? Uh, I've heard of the name. I don't really know much about Uh, it. It's really great stuff for uh, coping with the past, but essentially like one of the techniques is reframing. And I think all of us do it without Mm -hmm. us knowing is that we have the power to change the past with our own perception, the future can change the past just because of like, like it's there and you don't have to accept how it happened. You can accept, you know, that, that, I mean, uh, you know, to be a little sensitive, I guess it was like, you know, like rape victims will go through like reframing Mm -hmm. to where, no, I beat that. I rose above it. I'm better. I wish it didn't happen, but I am a better person now. You know? Yeah, for reframing it. Yeah, yeah. You and I, you know have, I mean? have talked about stuff like this. Like yeah. you, when we've talked about like our past and how you've been thinking a lot about stuff from from your past in different ways. Like that's what that is, right? Yeah, like we're because yeah. we have that. That's the power we have. Like, yeah, like we literally cannot control what actually happened, but we can control our perception of it, and that's what all these people are doing. Because, mm-hmm. and it adds a layer of empathy to these people. You know, like, and that's what's so cool about the humanity aspect of this. Like, we can say how Mifune's character was just like, and I agree of how egregiously terrible he is. Mm -hmm. Just on almost an an objective uh, moral standpoint. But he's still, like, um, he's still a human who is just trying to, like, deal with his inevitable, like, you know, his death that's going to come and he just has to do what he can. Yeah. You know what I mean? P- portray that however he can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing, man. It's like, it's, it's a pretty, 
great revelation i feel to be i mean it's it's kind of like the every every everybody's the hero of their own story to Absolutely, like say the yeah. the kind of like a uh, cliched thing but it's like to put that into a cinematic form and to like see each of those play out is uh is a really fascinating thing that he that he did here that i feel like yeah i mean this movie seems incredibly influential for for fucking decades like not not even just the movies that are direct like kind of like ripoffs of what he does, like Vantage Point or something like that. <laughs> or they're just, we're gonna mention that on every yeah, episode, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think. There, there are like so many examples, like at the top of my head, of like reframing something a certain way and having a ton of emotional impact when you see it through that character's eyes. It's like that. That is just a thing that's like a normal thing to do in movies now because I think he did it first with with Rashomon because that's something you can mm. do uniquely in movies. I mean, yeah, I mean, you get the, the most popular examples like Thanos and how everybody like, you know, yeah. felt, felt like, Oh, like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. he was just trying to do the right thing. Thanos didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know, Thanos was right. Thanos was right. Go 50% of the population going back from whence they came, the void. What's the big deal? What's, I don't <laughs> see the issue. I don't see the issue. Um, In fact, if you're far the fifty percent, you're the lucky ones. <laughs> Existence is suffering. <laughs> it's true. You know they were taken before twenty twenty. They were, weren't they? They were taken uh, before. two years before. <laughs> and then they got to come back. I think in canonically, it was like twenty twenty two. It was four years later. So Where are the whales at? Where are the whales at now? Where are the whales? Yeah, remember how like in the in Avengers like. Yeah, they're like, oh, there's all these whales now because humanity's is <laughs> half cut off. Oh, I mean, that's like right. the first thing I wrote. I was like, oh, great whales. That's how. That's like what I thought of when I saw that. Scene. Yeah, yeah. It's like, good. Hilarious. The whales are back. That's what Thanos cared about the whole time. Yeah, the they just care about the fucking whales. Um, but let's talk about Mufune's acting for a bit. I know we covered a little bit about it, but yeah, um, man, he's. <laughs> He's so he it's almost too so, much. Yeah, it's he comes in so much. fucking hot. Yeah. Where they're like interviewing him and he's like it almost seems like he is like psychotic, like he's lost his mind. It, he sounds he seems like a man who has nothing to lose. Yeah. Point. You know what I mean? I I guess that yeah, I guess that's what it is. Mm. Um boy. I fear the man who who has nothing to lose. We're going to have um, to circle back around on the he, eyebrow work in this movie. It's, it's <laughs> fascinating to me. Um, uh, but, yeah, uh, he, he has his big, boisterous laughs. Maybe he's just drunk all the time. I could see that, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I, I could see be, that. It's he, or he, he, you know, he inferred. Well, he didn't infer. He directly said how he sold the sword for drinks. That's true. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's hamming it up like a... I don't know. Yeah, it's I mean, it was, it was a thing in yeah. the 40s. I mean... Uh, and Kurosawa was seeing like a lot of the Hollywood movies. He was influenced by Western culture. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Mifune was also watching like, uh, I don't know, just well, like those forties adventure in movies. The, like Japanese culture, they entertainment, they tend to play it up. Yeah. Um, I remember my trip in Japan when you would just watch something in the corner of the show or what, whatever mm-hmm. it was, you would have a little, little guy or a little, like a little person, like just their head. And they're just like, 
Oh, like it, like they're telling you how to like how you how you feel about this, and they're yeah. playing it up super hardcore. Which I mean, let's bring to America, please. I w- I would love nothing more than a little man popping up and going, <laughs> telling just, me tell me how to feel. <laughs> how to feel. Yeah, it's like you see like young Sheldon uh, oh turn his work in late, and then a little sat a little boy with like a. No, have older Sheldon react to it. Oh, well, see, That's now a- you're on to something. You get Jim Parsons back. Yeah. You cut him a check for like $5 million to Easy. do these little he, cuttings. He's got to be doing nothing, right? I mean, he's trying He's trying to to recover from the decade of recover. Uh, Big Bang Theory uh, He made big bucks, though. I mean, uh, if he know. did, they were making millions an episode, I think. But yeah, get a little, get a little mini Jim Parsons there popping yeah. up. To react to what happened to young Sheldon. That's a million dollar idea. That's a million dollar idea. It's easy. Why aren't we producers? Go go watch CBS All Access. I mean, you know, preemptive plug. They're gonna they're gonna support us here soon, I think. You like uh, CB you like young Sheldon? (laughs) It's free. Free. It's free. Young Sheldon CBS All Access. You have Disney Plus, you get CBS too. I would just love what's this fucking have we have have made him into something we have have we set up (laughs) that joke on the podcast yeah we we, we did it on tenant okay I was hoping we did it on because it was literally on tenant that's why yeah 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 Yeah, Kenneth Branagh as as this Russian man advertising for just not even Disney plus anymore just like all the CBS all access shows (laughs) just streaming services yeah, just all streaming services. You like young Sheldon? He's funny. He's a very funny American boy. He's very smart. People don't understand him. <laughs> well, he's wearing those fucking Russian sandals, like just <laughs> the shorts, the <laughs> shorts and the sandals for fuck's like, sake. Like he's in his office. Like he's in his office. He has yeah. a towel over his over his shoulder, <laughs> and he's like, "My blood pressure rises when I watch." When I watch Young Sheldon, very I, can, funny. I can't watch more than ten minutes. It makes my blood pressure rise too high. It's too funny, <laughs> too funny for me. Oh God! Um. But uh, so yeah, <laughs> speaking of acting, like Kira Kurosawa, um, apparently via the documentary that I, that I uh, watched, mm-hmm. he has a lot of um, kind of trust with his actors. I I always think that's. Like at least in my experience, like I, you know, when I quote unquote act, um, yeah, it's very refreshing to um, just have that sort of like trust between the director and the actor. Like, what they do is that the actors don't really um, say the dialogue exactly how it is; mm-hmm. they get a gist of it, which I tend to do too. Yeah, that's the um, that's my preferred way too. I think. Yeah, because you get you get a lot more um, authenticity, I guess, to mm-hmm. it. And what Kuro Kurosawa would do is that he just like, if he wanted to change it, he's just like, let's try that again, or how about we do it this way, or you shouldn't yeah. do that. That's what one of the actor, the woodcutter, was interviewed that I watched. Oh, that's cool. What he was, yeah, that's what he was saying with Akira Kurosawa to give a little insight on like how he would direct people, and I always think that's a. I, I always like that trust. 
Although he apparently he wasn't he was called the emperor like as a Ooh. director, so it's kind of a Kubrickian sort of thing. Oh, that's pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah. That, and, that's yeah. But he would try like even with the cinematographer on this one, he said that he the cinematographer was like, "How would you like this shot?" He says, "You know, just follow the action, see what happens." It was like he <laughs> said the cinematographer was so humble about it, and he was just like. Yeah, this is Kurosawa. Like, I want to <laughs> like, you know, do well, and yeah. but he's he's like, I wanted to impress Kurosawa, and he did the the dolly, you know, the dolly shots, being that you're referring to, yeah, the woodcutter. Yeah. He did like a very like complex very stylish, technique yeah. with like weaving in, like weaving the actor in and out of the um the dolly. Yeah, and he's like. And Kurosawa was impressed. Like I got him the first day. Like you know, impressed him the first day. It <laughs> well, was very cute. Yeah, yeah. it opens uh, mm-hmm. that that shot or that sequence of shots mm-hmm. felt so modern to me. I was like, mm-hmm. man, it's yeah. I mean, not since like Citizen Kane have I seen a you know a film quote, type classic. Film, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a classic movie that feels so modern. That isn't um, a stage play. It's a film. Yeah, exactly. Know? And it's utilizing all of the tools and tricks that come to the to that medium over a, a play. But yeah, speaking to his working well with people and trusting people, I, I feel like that's that's two things. It feels like that's Japanese culture. I would I would probably attribute some of that to, and I feel like it's also his history of work of being an assistant. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel yeah. like when you're like an assistant to a director for over a decade, I feel like you definitely learn to appreciate well, it's about, everybody's role. I, I think role. It's, it's a lot of just like learning how to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. You know, if like no one's going to follow a leader if they don't know what they're, if, if, if the leader doesn't have trust in his like subordinates, you know, like yeah. how, how could you, how could you be a complete, Dictator. So it's and then plus you don't want to hire people who suck, right? You know that you have to tell them exactly what to do every time. This is going to yeah. be laborious. Well, it's like what we talked about on the um, on the who was it Tarantino season, right? Like he he says like, oh, I learned that if you get um, if you hire <laughs> uh, if you hire people that are really fucking good at their jobs, then um, it makes your job easier, like by like yeah, a magnitude right. of ten. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's so much easier when people are are great at their jobs and you can trust that they're good at their jobs. You know, I feel like Fincher said something similar too. Um, <laughs> Fincher, like, huh? Well, well, I'm just saying, like with the uh, we, where he doesn't believe in the auteur theory because there are so many moving parts and so many people also involved in the process. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a it's a sign of a you know. A, a good director, I think, that trusts all of those moving parts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then after Mifune, the um, the bandit, I keep forgetting his fucking name. His character's name is like, t- I'm so bad with, with Japanese names too. Um, it is the the wife, right? Yeah, the uh, the woman mm-hmm. who was uh, raped by um, the bandit, mm-hmm. and. Uh, she gives a very um a very emotional and very like sympathetic portrayal of what happened to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's like just bawling her eyes out and how could you how could you not believe her? You know, it, it's hard yeah. not to because of like I mean, you know she was raped and yeah. just like 
her husband is dead. How could you mm-hmm. not believe what she was given out? Yeah. And because you already know the bandit's just like a piece of shit. He's going to say whatever, you know. Yeah, that's that's what I found so... Like, as soon as I finished this movie, mm. I was uh, immediately like, okay, well, I'm going to rewatch this again in like a week or two. Because I feel like this is one of those movies that is going to be really rewarding yeah, upon like, rewatching sure. it. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, the each successive story was influenced by the one I just saw. And so when she started talking and telling her story, it was influenced by, you know, the bandit story that he just told. Yeah, and the one after like that uh, yeah. was influenced by hers and stuff. So, yeah, I found that really interesting. And, and it's going to be cool rewatching this movie, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what was the deal? How did he die? She, like, passed out in her Yeah, and he version. just, he just, it was really lazy. <laughs> yeah, it was just she yeah. passed out. And then he was dead when she woke up. It was kind of brief. Her, hers was the shortest, I think. Yeah, because she was just like, I was raped, and then I... Yeah, she says that she was raped, and then the the bandages leaves. Yeah. And she, like, stares into, like, the eyes of her husband, and he gives, like, this cold, glaring look of disgust. Yeah. And she feels like haunted and she keeps saying yamate which i do know the word for yeah it's stop oh man because i it's funny the reason why i know yamate is not because i watch too much <laughs> questionable <laughs> anime <laughs> shows about schoolgirls in japan i didn't say that you said it I, uh, I, but, but um no there i was in japan and uh i went to the beach and there's these japanese uh I guess they were teens or something, and they were playing like out in the ocean, and they were just fucking around with this one boy, and I guess they kept pushing him off like a platform or something. He's just yeah. like Yamate, Yamate, Yamate. I was like, "What's that?" He keeps saying it over and over. I wondered what it was. And I looked it up, and it was stop. Uh, and I was like, okay. oh. "Was that on y'all's recent trip there?" Well, I've only been to Japan oh, well, once. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, but yeah. that's the and she says it over and over again because she wants him to stop from. Uh, yeah, that that scene is really. It's, uh, scene, it's really good. She's she's really good in the movie. Um, it's really yeah, it's really like haunting and like troubling that scene when it's playing out because you're just like, man, there's so much history and culture, um, and just just the way men and women were treated and, 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 you know, dealt with society at the time, like all baked into this interaction Mm. and, and all the interactions, I guess, with like her and her husband after she was raped by, you know, Mifune, Mm. um, that it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to watch, honestly, just seeing like, I'm done with you because somebody did this act on you, but it's like, that's, it's medieval well, Japan, how, you know. It's that's it's how it was, yeah. it's rough, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I guess that's that's and it. That's for why, her. from a modern viewpoint, you just can't feel you have you feel so bad for her. Yeah. You know, like yeah. she was treated so. I mean, she was forcibly like raped, and like her husband doesn't want anything to do with her. Yeah. And it's just like that's like the last thing mm-hmm. you'd want a husband to react. Yeah. To for sure, you know. It's, it's tough. So 
you know, when I first watched it, I was like, okay, this makes the most sense. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. of course, this yeah. is how it is. Through a modern lens, yeah, yeah. like hers, hers does. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get the 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 wood the woodsman the woodcutter no. woodcutter. You go to the uh, the medium. Oh boy, the how could I great. forget yeah. the dead husband? Listen, he, yeah, this movie. So it goes from gets like, a little yeah. wild for a little bit. It gets a little wild. <laughs> so you have the action movie Mifune, and then you have the uh, I guess a, a drama. Yeah, sort of with thing. the with the wife, and, and then, then you have you a get supernatural. Some spoopy, some you get some spoopy shit, dude. When I when, when when it first started, I was like, okay, so who are the? Because I heard there was four viewpoints in this yeah. movie. That's like what I know going in. That's four what it says. vantage points. Four vantage points, you could say. Uh, not not one of them is Matthew Fox. I will just say I was somewhat disappointed in that. Um, <laughs> Dennis Quaid is one of them. Dennis actually. Quaid is Dennis Quaid was in this movie. Turns out he's like ninety years old. Um, oh no, but yeah, uh, Jesus Christ, what was I? The, Stupid the, the fucking sh- jokes. Medium, yeah. was the the third. I, I was I was just gonna say when the the movie started, I was like, well, so what are the the vantage points gonna be? It's it's I think gonna be, you know, obviously Mafune's talking first. Then I guess the wife will testify. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know who else. else? Is, yeah, who else? Who else could it be? Oh well, it's gonna be the dead. Husband. It's gonna be the dead guy. Talking through a very alarming looking person. That's <laughs> I'm sorry if that's mean. You should cut that. Yeah. An alarming looking <laughs> No, keep it in. Um no, 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 no. In. That person's very creepy. I I will this say very creepy. Because I mean, there was their the whole, medium. That was the whole point. Like he was supposed to be this kind of otherworldly, like the religious yeah, this, context, maybe. I mean, it was like he was being um What's the word? Uh, poltergeisty. Some, some <laughs> you know, like channeling yeah. otherworldly spirits and moving mm-hmm. in such strange ways. Like, of course, yeah, it was definitely, and it was betrayed by an actor who suited the role. Yeah, <laughs> I will say, uh, for sure. And so great because I was just like, after the woman's part, I was like, this is done deal. We already know what happened. This is it. Yeah. I was like, and but, then yeah. Yeah, and then you go this fucking medium guy, channeling like, the actual dead guy's memory. Apparently, yeah. we you know, and it's a theme of the movie. It's like, is he? I don't know. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I like, don't know. But it was great because when he retells the story, you're like, okay, this is it. This is this makes a lot of sense actually on like yeah, how yeah. how it all worked out mm-hmm. because like she would because like why would a dead guy lie you mm-hmm. know what I mean the, that's what they said in the, the that's the, right the, yeah the uh, the priest right and um, e- even the the traveler was like how do you know the de- dead men don't lie. You know, yeah, that was that was a great line by him. I like that. There's there's always there's always a character that is questioning. Yeah. Like there's always somebody questioning whichever story or whichever you know perspective is being shown at that moment, which I think mm-hmm. is really cool. It's really smart of Kurosawa to do that. I think. So the medium uh, is dancing story. around, He's dancing around, doing some Wild crazy man shit. Wild. Yeah. Real wild man shit. How, how many ghost entities have you have you told stories about? Huh? I don't want to say. Like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. like <laughs> no, tell me, tell me how many ghost entities have you have you talked about? 
96. How many ghosts have you channeled through? Wild man. What? Wild. wild man. <laughs> or a shaman. Shaman. Oh, yeah, that's there that's, that's good. That's, that's good. a joke. Mm-hmm. That's a reference to our earlier episode for everyone who doesn't understand. Our fucking Hurt Locker episode. I like how we've latched on to that meme of that one guy. And I no say one wild man it. to people. I tweeted somebody yeah. the other day, that's some wild man shit. And I was like, I can't expect him to know what the fuck I'm talking about. You just have to follow up. Have you seen the Hurt Locker? And followed by the year of whatever. What yeah. year was that? 20 years. With, with uh, actor David Prouse, I think is his name. David something, I think. I don't know. Hey, man. If if there's one thing I 100 percent remember is his performance in that movie. It's unforgettable. It's, <laughs> it's the best part. Yeah, it's Boy, so good. The best part of a great movie. Real sh- shaman stuff. Yeah, real shaman stuff. But he talks. He 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 channels what uh, the dead man had saw, and mm-hmm. what he observes is uh, I'm, I'm in trouble recalling what it was, but. It was like a collaboration between the two, right? What was that? That was the. It was. It was even more like shame filled, of, yeah. of or sh- like shaming the the wife, yeah. Where uh, he was basically, oh, yeah. What was it? It was like, like he. She was like, I don't. I, I hate this guy. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, she, yeah. She was like, I am so bored with him. I wanted. Mm-hmm. The bandit, that the famous bandit, to come in and get take me out of this fucking hellhole. I don't yeah. give a shit about this guy. Uh-huh. And then he actually turns it around and forgives the bandit for his because the bandit says he'll kill the wife. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, I guess this is the real one. Because why would it's all about his honor? Yeah, I feel like like this honor. one, which is. Only just honor, because yeah. it's his quote-unquote story. Yeah. And so it's all about his honor. It, it literally kills... With, it kills. It ends with him killing himself. Yeah. Uh, seppuku. Is that what it's called? Seppuku. Seppuku. Um, Sudoku. Yeah. Sudoku in himself. <laughs> That's um, a tired old joke. Yeah. But it's so um, funny. Uh, yeah, he, he... And I think... And you, you, you can almost get a hint of... Because what, what happens later on in the story... You know, it kind of retroactively like makes the shaman also unreliable. You know, just just yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. the shaman is upholding just the traditional values of feudal Japan. Yeah, and it's like let's, to just let's say, say how he is was. a total yeah. hack. Yeah, you know, which I think this movie probably ends up positing by the end. Like he is, or maybe channeling. he truly believes it. Yeah, the guy's a samurai. Uh, yeah, so it's like he he is. Speaking as the the like the soul of a samurai, yeah, as an as honorable this, man, yeah. as an honorable man. I wanted to ask you this: I don't think the samurai clearly he's speaking through the medium, right? Like, yeah, like he's speaking there. Other than that, he doesn't speak the entire movie, right? He speaks a little bit. Oh, does he? Yeah. Okay. The man. Yeah. Yeah. The the guy who dies. I yeah, I could have yeah, sworn he, like during his story, I was like, I don't talk think much. he's talked yeah. like at all. Real easy job on that actor, I'll say. Yeah, yeah. That actor had a real pretty simple gig, I think. Other than oh, sword fighting. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, yeah, there's some like yeah. real hard shit he had to do. That is, that is very fair. Uh, but yeah, it turns out. And I was like, okay, this is this seems plausible. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. fine. But then, and you're like, okay, this is this is done deal. We got it. That's mm-hmm. it. End of story. Yeah. We we know what happened. This is the done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dunzo part. 
And at this point, I was really like, well, who's who's the fourth? And then old Mr. Woodcutter. You you knew pre, you had a preconceived, like, you already knew the number. Yeah, I wish I didn't. I wish I knew. Really, all I knew was different perspectives and the number of people. I wish I didn't know at least the number of people. Well, because people are used to like three. So you're like, okay, you got three out. Yeah. It's done. Mm -hmm. What else is there? And then you're like, whoa, woodcutter, what you saw? You fucking lied. Fucking liar. Yeah. You goddamn liar. Yeah. Because he didn't want to, quote unquote, get involved. involved. I love that, like, phrase. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get involved in that. Yeah, it's interesting. And he relays the story, and you feel like this is actually the objective reality. But even then, you're starting to, like... Yeah, the reason I'll say it feels... And Kurosawa has not said what the truth is. He wouldn't tell any of the actors like he, of course, had, yeah. I don't think he, yeah, he hasn't. Right. I was reading that he hadn't, that he wouldn't tell the actors too, but it feels the most, it feels the closest to the truth because of how messy the details are. It's so messy. It's and so that's the best messy. part about it. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. Because yeah. like you see, uh, well, I guess it's, yeah, it's like playing out right now. Um, well, all the idealizations of everybody, all their, yeah, preconceived notions of like their highest moral values have been tossed out the window. Yeah. It's like, it's just this altercation between a outlaw and Mm -hmm. a samurai. Yeah. The bandit did rape the woman, Mm -hmm. but she just ran away in the final version, right? Like she got, no, 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 she, she, she like, uh, she she egged it on. Yeah. She was like, I can't like, you know, which I, I felt was, Kind of cathartic to see after all three of the other stories was kind of cathartic to see that. Well, her being like, yeah, because fuck you guys, like, uh, you know, like both, like, fight for you aren't men, yeah, yeah, like, fight for the honor. Well, because like the bandit was actually more, like, less evil than he originally was. Like, he's like, I actually like fell in love with this woman at first sight. And mm-hmm. I fought for her love, and that's what he, he didn't want to say that about himself because he didn't want to appear vulnerable <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah, you know. But that's like he honestly just wanted to marry this woman, mm-hmm. and she's just like, "You can't fucking marry me and not kill my fucking husband." Yeah, and so that's also the fucked up part on her thing because she sure. could just like you know let's not even worry mm-hmm. about her husband. Let's just, yeah. just leave him. Uh huh. But instead, she's like, or she could have freed her husband and said, "Kill this guy." You know, like that. She wanted them to fight for her, yeah, which is kind of like, kind of messed up too. Mm -hmm. You know, but also understandable. It's just like, this is a messy like amalgam of just like (laughs) people gaming like this very weird situation Mm -hmm. in the way that benefits them the most, considering. And then you have the fight scene, which is so. I love what he yeah. does with the fight scene. It's so Be- good. Before you say that, yeah. I just wanted to say then the the samurai, the way that he's portrayed in this, like, oh yeah, what is essentially le- like we're led to believe he's this like, is the most objective yeah. version, like of what actually happened. He's like kind of a like a little like a bitch a little bit. Like he's, he's kind of a little bitch. Yeah, he's, like he's like backing down like, from oh, fighting, oh, and I don't want I don't want to know. Yeah, it's like he's yeah, yeah. and he's he's like a, supposedly a samurai fighting for honor and stuff. And then you have this like shitty fight, yeah, 
a shitty fucking yeah, fight. Which when I was watching, I was like, "This is so. This is such a modern. It's so real movie. In this how, how you would fight. Yeah, in real life. and how yeah. nuanced the ideas and the the directing going on mm. is. Um, but yeah, in sharp contrast to Mifune's story at the beginning, it's like this very like. Uh, oh, like everybody's fucking up and like yeah. jump falling all over the place. It's so messy, and you gotta yeah. give props to whoever the uh, the choreographer is to like kind of set it up. Yeah, in comparison to how like clean <laughs> the first fight was mm-hmm. to this last fight, to where they're just falling over, just tripping on shit, can't hit each other, and it's just like this. This just not entertaining like battle between two people who are just trying to fight for literally just fighting for their lives. That's what's happening. That's what yeah. you're observing is that it's just like Mifune is doing a great job where he's quivering with the, yeah, the that's sword. such a good choice. He's like shaking he's scared. Like yeah. he's not like some brave fucking bandit, mm-hmm. how he portrayed himself and same with the samurai. Like he's like his last words were, uh, or one of his last words were just like, I don't want to die. Like yeah. he's like cowering, like, you know, <laughs> like anybody would like, you know, yeah. like if you, you're about to die and you do the last, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Last like bang. the, the drama of all of their stories are stripped away in the, in the final one. And it's just like, yeah, here's, you know, a close approximation to what happened. But even that is still channeled through somebody telling the story. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there, there's a lot of, uh, meta commentary going on here as far as like, like you said early on, like the, the storytelling, you know, angle of it. And like, uh, and that's what's so interesting. Like what is the motivation of the woodcutter to never express it like that? Is he somehow wanting to keep to the, he wants to have faith that like, you know, humanity is not this messy. Yeah. You know, he wants to, he refuses to believe that, like, he doesn't want to get involved in the messiness of reality. He wants just it to play out the way that it does instead of actually communicating how yeah. how it is. I, you know? I thought it was, maybe maybe this is just, like, the plebe obvious take, but I, I thought it was because he had a stake in the game that he stole. Oh, he stole the dagger. Like, he did steal the dagger. I, that's why I thought that he was, like, not going to... I think that's Say, a that is know. a critical component. I think the the meta the under the under the surface yeah. component is more so that it was hinted at when he he has a sense of he had a sense of like idealization of humanity. Like when 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 he was facing the traveler who stole the kimono from the baby, he was like, "That's not right. You shouldn't do that. That's evil." Yeah. So he doesn't want to, he didn't want to actually, um, he didn't want to lie, but he also didn't want to like express the messiness of reality because he wanted it to be a clean, like mm. moral story of just like this fucked up bandit Yeah, in his head. At least he wanted that to be co- corroborated mm. in that way and didn't want to get involved in the messinesses of it. Yeah. At least that's what, it, that's what it seems like. Yeah, I could yeah. I could see that. I I like that they're like even though his story is the most easy to believe and kind of subject or objective I should say. Um I like that there's no like here's what it was or here's what yeah, happened. Sure. It's just 
It's just what you see, what you're presented with, which is how we feel when like we like do anything for fuck's sake. It's like, I was thinking about how timely this movie feels in terms of alternate realities that people are all in on. I mean, everybody, you know? everybody, yeah, everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we all are, we all are, it's part of being human. We all are prone to believing the things that shape our perception of reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're going to talk politics and the, the right and the left both have like, I'm not saying every single one, every single person on the right or the left like has a distortion, but um, I think like we're all prone to shaping our stories, ba- mm-hmm. basing our facts on the stories that we've made up on reality. And that's what all these people do. Yeah. I think, I think that's what this movie further highlighted for me is that, yeah, I mean, all all this shit's going to sound, I guess, basic. Like I'm realizing very basic things, I guess, but like our, the, the realities that we believe in is so much more based on who we are as people and like where we come from because you have no the other experiences basis. that we've been through. It's almost yeah. as if it's almost as simple as saying like, there's no other way, right? Really? Yeah, it's just as simple as saying like I base my reality on English, and mm. what other choice did I have? Yeah, I I can't I cannot think in English. I yeah. was I born in America and I spoke English. It's not like I base my reality on Japanese. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with even more complex ideas such as morality and ethics. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I know that we all take our morality and extrapolate it into an experience that doesn't really... that, that are very neut- neutral. And I don't want to say that rape is somehow neutral, but it, it it's still... Things can get colored in the way that we... Uh, that we seek based on like our own moral systems, yeah, you know, which is a, a scary kind of scary thing. Yeah, but it's we we can't get away from it. We're trapped. Yeah, I, I, and it's it's so interesting because you like you and I have talked about this a lot. Where it's like you, we were led to believe almost growing mm. up that technology could be a solution. Yeah, and information could be a solution when it turns out like. Ah, it turns out that doesn't really help. Like everybody's still going to have they go for the the yeah the their own filters in place. You know, I would say the the best phrase would be the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Like why? Yeah, yeah. You know, like you you go for if you're a Christian, like you go for the path of least resistance. You go for confirmation bias if you're. Mm-hmm. An atheist, I mean, you, you look for reasons why there isn't God. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm an atheist, and I don't, and I, I'm i guilty of it. Like, I, I can't, I, I look for suffering in the world, and I say, look, there's no God. Even though I have, <laughs> even though I have no objective, I really don't have any evidence of not a God. You know what I mean? I still, yeah, yeah. I still reframe myself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's me being vulnerable here in the sense of, like, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I really don't know. Yeah. I mean, but I think, I I think that there is definitely an argument for a scientific approach being closer to a truth. And I think you would probably agree with that. Like, Oh, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But it's so fucking hard. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, scientific it's method is the, is the most <laughs> objective and best thing humanity has ever done, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I, and, the, and to be more empathetic, I will say like, I get why people don't follow the scientific method. Mm-hmm. Why? It's so hard. It's so frustrating. Yeah. It's not comforting. It's not comforting. It can be if you're a Carl Sagan type or something like that and look at things a certain way. But for a lot of, you know, scientific uh, minded yeah. people, it's not as easy as. It's not. I mean, you know. even I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure Carl Sagan still had. I mean, he's he's only human, too. He probably had some panic attacks about things. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just about, you know, having a scientific mind. I mean, I certainly have. But uh it's it, it it's just that we just have to come in and face ourselves that yeah, we'll never really know. Mm-hmm. And uh that's okay. We can just reframe we can reframe things to where it, it helps us out. And maybe that's all we can do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's what these people did. That's and true. How can you hate them for it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I love that. Uh, yeah, it's it's what we're like. This movie is what was what we're talking about mm. in terms of uh, various truths, depending on who you are as a person. You know how you see the world, how you see yourself. Yeah. Um, and I love that it it is in medieval Japan. It's like mm. the the story probably could have been told in the forties or something. But I love that it is so stripped down of any technological influence of any kind of external force. It's just like human beings with weapons in the woods. Yeah. Like, like you were saying, it's so like stripped down, um, that it, it just lets you focus on like the hu- like the human element well, of that, it. That's what's so crazy. Like having it bare bones and that mm-hmm. still has such complexity wrapped around in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine if we were just to add one more person to this situation, how like extreme <laughs> things would change up. Yeah. You know? Like if the priest saw the whole thing. Yeah. And like what what would that Or just had be? some other person just show up and interact with these people. Mm-hmm. It all spins out of control. But I think the three was just enough. Mm-hmm. Or the four, I guess, if you want to count the woodcutter. Yeah. But um but yeah, I mean, want to do some final thoughts and we can start wrapping it up. Uh, we should talk about the ending really quick, I guess. Oh, I yeah. get yeah. Okay, so the the final when it cuts back to the the frame story, I guess. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff, a lot of really interesting stuff does play out there with um the what what do you call that guy? The highwayman, the traveler, yeah, the guy who's just listen the listener, I guess. Yeah, highwayman sounds. About right yeah, too. Uh, they hear a baby. The NPC. The NPC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they hear a, a baby crying. I think you know soon after the story ends. And who knows who the, where that baby could come? No one knows. It could, yeah. to me, my mind went directly to um, the woman. Like she, like Mifune might have impregnated her, and uh, oh man, and she just dropped it off. Wow, know? I didn't even think of connecting it to the characters in the. I mean, movie, it's unreliable. but she lived. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, she, she lived. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the the yeah the traveler goes and uh, what does he take? He takes the kimono. Yeah, from the, the kimono, the baby. and, and then he's like, amulet. "I'm dipping." Yeah, and then that gets into this whole philosophical kind of discussion between the three 
the three guys. The topic of selfishness and mm-hmm. someone would have already taken it, blah, 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 you know? Yeah, and trying to justify it. Mm. Yeah. In the hypocrisy of the woodcutter, you know, selling the dagger and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was just kind of like this microcosm of what the overall movie was about, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Why people do the things that they do and is... And are people inherently evil? It almost seems like that's what Kurosawa says, but then he changes it as, changes it up at the last minute. Yeah, pivots yeah. at the end there when the the clouds, the overcast clouds fade, mm-hmm. and the travel the woods woodsman, the woodcutter, I guess, yeah. is like, "Listen, I have six kids. What's one more?" Which I'll I take him. <laughs> which I love the logic yeah. of. Uh, that's. Yeah, but but still, it's like yeah. Listen, I I've made mistakes, but uh, I'll I'll take this baby. Mm. And then um, yeah, the priest is kind of almost like an outside moral observer to everything. Yeah, because he, right? he's he's so upset about just the mm-hmm. complexity of it's not as simple as he yeah. thought it was, mm-hmm. and he was just losing his faith in humanity. Yeah. Which I hate that phrase now because it's so overused on <laughs> online forums. But yeah, for sure. He literally says that. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. the woodcutter's like, I'll, I'll take the baby, man. And he's like, you know what? Humans are not bad. They are. It right. was the friends we made along the, the way. way. <laughs> he says that, and then yeah, it's in the way that you use it. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the credits start rolling, yeah, and it's that's like, ah, it. Kurosawa, you did it again. <laughs> Yo, uh, kook. That's the song that's going at the end of this. Yeah, uh, it's a little jarring, but I think it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I guess that wraps up Rasho. Rashomon Mon. first, not Pokemon, but not Rash- Pokemon, not Kanto. <laughs> to be fair, no, well, not Kanto. I, I don't think the movie's in the Kanto region. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, don't maybe. Know. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I guess I, I'll go first. Um, I hadn't seen this movie. I had only seen countless things that it was influenced, or that yeah. it influenced, I should say. Um, so it was really awesome going back to the the kind of source material and seeing what is, I guess, one of Kurosawa's, you know, one of his first movies. And it's still baffling to me that this is one of his first movies when it's so experimental and, like, so ambitious i guess is maybe the word to use like it's a very ambitious concept to do in a movie when i don't know i'm thinking of other movies like casablanca was coming out at the same time which is a great movie um but i think highlights kind of the the different wavelength that uh kurosawa was interested in as a writer director um and yeah i mean it's it's great seeing the kind of like push and pull of the successive kind of like stories that each one of them tell and is, uh, you know, pretty fulfilling in the end when you see the most objective, you know, we can take away. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to rewatching it. Like that's that, that even in and of itself feels kind of like meta in a way, like rewatching this movie after you've seen it and like seeing like, Oh, well now I understand this because I saw the fourth story already. You know that that's kind of fun to think about. All right, let's talk. Let's bring the the, the chef Corsal was in the house, and he's <laughs> oh, he's whipping here up. Here we go. The, What's he cooking? What's he's he cooking, cooking up? up the Rashomon meal. Oh hell yeah! And you, <laughs> the Rashomon meal. The Rash, the Rashomon meal. 
And you're like, ooh, okay. Like, I let me have some familiar Curacao first dish. Taste it, 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 it's a cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. You know, this is everything you expect. Like, this bandit's a piece of shit. And then you get you get a I don't know a sympathetic burger after that. He brings you another burger out, and it's yeah. like, it's kind of the same. It's similar, but a little different. You're like, wait, is this the real burger? There's some bacon on this on this thing. I think there's a little bit of bacon on this one. I don't know what that means, but it's just something different on a, the same thing. But you're like, is this the... <laughs> yeah. Is this is this the real burger? Because I feel like the last burger, he didn't really try that hard on. Because this yeah. one's like, it's a little tastier than the last I'm gonna, one. I'm going to put a twist on this. Yeah. Keep going with the same metaphor because I like it. You're yeah. blindfolded. And you're blindfolded. <laughs> you can't see, you can't see exactly it. what you're eating. And then, you, and then the next burger. I don't know why I'm using a maybe sushi would be more appropriate. Yeah, Is that maybe racist? culturally. No, I mean no. culturally, price, price. Ramen. Yeah. Okay, fine. All ramen, right, sure. Yeah. 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 Is this the real ramen that I ate? No. Mm-hmm. Because you get another. You get a spoopy, a spoopy yeah. ramen. I don't know. Th- this ramen is <laughs> a little spooky. I feel. I feel like a. <laughs> But it's more reliable than the other, the yeah. other, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're influenced by the other you're, ramens you're, that you've you're, tasted. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this food metaphor thing. Write it's a perfect. book, Adam. This I is good. This is so movies good. and movies yeah. and food. movies and meals. Movies, movies and meals. Movie meals. Then we're gonna rename the podcast soon. Movies and yeah, meals. we're just gonna call it movie meals. It's fine. <laughs> and then, and then you get the tastiest. The tastiest uh, ramen because you're like, oh, yeah, this is, but it's really, it's real messy and just kind of like real, you know? Yeah, you get that. A lot of weird ingredients in it. Yeah, bacon's in the ramen. It's it's <laughs> fuck it. You don't know why. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's like a, a, like I said, it's it's that hole in the the last ramen is the hole in the wall ramen. Yeah, you know. Yeah. While the first ramen is like, you well, know, you're it's, blindfolded it's kind off. of, yeah, and you see the ramen, yeah, and you're like, the first ramen was the most commercialized ramen here, yeah, yeah, you know, like this is the one we expect and always like to eat, mm-hmm. but then as he goes down, it gets more authentic and more real and messy, and and you're looking at the fourth one, and it, yeah. and it looks like shit, yeah, it looks bad, but I mean, it, it, but it real t- yeah, it tastes, yeah, it tastes interesting, yeah, and you're like, this one, there's some truth. To this ramen, I'm losing the and metaphor the huma- now. No, the I, I can taste humanity in this. Yeah, exactly. This <laughs> captures all of the nuance and messiness of a of a human being in this ramen. And you're like, I'm satisfied. I want to go through the whole fucking course again. I want it because I'll taste the first one and I'll get I'll get it again. Like it yeah. won't taste bad. It'll taste even better on mm-hmm. the next round. Listen, I'm I mean? gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna set yeah. up a rock, another corner in this yeah, multi, yeah. you know, this very big room. Yeah, multi-cornered with, room that yeah. we've set up here. We're uh, there's gonna be a Rashomon corner. Yeah, and there will maybe be just one or two. But I'm gonna rewatch this movie again before one of the future movies. Yeah, and I'm gonna come back with a with a fresh Rashomon take. And just just lay it on us like rant. we'll be talking about something completely. You may bring yeah. it on a David Lean film. Who knows? Yeah, in the just middle fucking- in the middle. 
in hour two of our fucking Lawrence of Arabia yeah. episode, who knows? I'm going to start dropping Rashomon takes and it's going to feel out of nowhere, but it's, you know, this, I'm setting it up now. I'm setting it up now. You're going to understand why that happened. Mm. Well, you have to explain it when it happens. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. For the, for or the new listeners. Just like, They're going to turn it off and be like, why is he talking yeah. about fucking Rashomon in the middle of <laughs> a passage to India or whatever the fuck we're talking? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, like, my actual final thoughts are, yeah. um, I really, really love this movie. It's so jarring compared to the rest of his filmography. Um, and it's a nice, tasty snack of 88 minutes, so... Oh, God. That makes things a little Love easier. a sub-90 movie now, man. Love it. <laughs> Isn't it great? Um, I, feel, I feel like that's blasphemy, but... Yeah. Um, it's, it's just so well-sculpted in terms of its... Uh, cinematography i love like the particular shots that come up to mine are just the when mifune when, when mifune is is lying and taking a nap and you see the 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 branches on his the shadow of the branches on his face mm-hmm. and the branches wiggle and then you can infer the breeze that's such a cool shot yeah. apparently they had a little branches like close to his face yeah. and then they used a mirror to reflect the sun Onto the oh, that's the cool. See, that's so modern. Yeah. That's such a modern concept for a 1950 movie. But that's also n- not modern in a way because they didn't have lights. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was like, like the technique. Fucking, yeah, yeah. Apparently, what they did is they stole the big mirror from um, the costume department. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, there's like yeah. we're just gonna fucking take this and use it for lighting. This oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that shot. I like the shot with. Um, when Mifune first, dis- well, no, when the woodcutter first discovers the dead body with his hands up, that's such a jarring, like, scary shot. Yeah, shame. yeah. You know, just have that that freeze there. Like, all the all the cr- great close-ups on people's expressions to really convey, like, the emotions of the Yeah, Kurosawa, we'll bring this back, I'm sure. The- mm. Kurosawa was a big close-up guy. Oh, he loved For sure. It. Yeah, um, he's, he's real Pete. PTA, well, PTA probably like PTA. I think got it from like Jonathan Demi, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, like a lot of directors through the years have kind of mm-hmm. like done the done the close up stuff, the know? vulnerability of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just it's just so different from all his other films, and it's almost kind of it's sad, almost in a way that we're starting off with this one because it would have been. Interesting to just like have like a clear set track record of like what Kurosawa usually does, but we're starting with the the yeah. kind of the deviation one as opposed to his his regularities. Yeah, you know. But either way, um, I really love this film, and it's a total rewatchable film. I think anybody from any color of uh, film mm-hmm. viewing will enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And any, I mean, just if you if you uh, love complex films and deep moral philosophy in terms of subjectivity, I mean, it's there. And if you just want some interesting like crime drama, I can even say it like that. Yeah, I mean, it's there's there's an element of like mystery to the the whole thing where you're like. Well, what what is it like? What what is the yeah? What's the going on? real what takeaway it? sure. here? Yeah. It's like a, a a movie like this would be like a, a true crime podcast now. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> a police procedural, except you're the police. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is, yeah. Which is always cool. 
So. For sure. It's like, no, you yeah. know what something like this is now? It's it's a game. Like something like this is a video game. Oh, now. yeah. You know, yeah. it's like Detroit Become Human or like or some detective. L.A. Noir. L.A. Noir. Doubt. <laughs> Doubt on Mifune <laughs> because of his facial expressions that are dead get- because giveaway. Because he's screaming and moving yeah. like a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I doubt everything he says. It is yeah. it is so wild that this is like one of his first movies, and it yeah. feels like, yeah, like a master's like later career work. Yeah, let's just fuck <laughs> around for a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's so it's so wild, man. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like um, I don't know. It's like Tarantino doing Reservoir or Pulp Fiction as his yeah. second movie. It's like. Yeah. It's like, is, are all your movies... No, you're going to do some, like, uh, some samurai it's revenge just, stuff? It, okay, It's yeah. just like, uh, well, it's just like that That the metaphor I always bring up on the podcast with Aaron Rodgers, like, <laughs> you know, like, on his first few seasons, he got the Super Bowl. Yeah. And he's like, I can just do whatever now. Mm-hmm. And, then Aaron Ro- and then Aaron Rodgers just wanted to make samurai movies. <laughs> he just, <And> then, <laughs> he's actually a big Star Wars fan. Oh, really? Yeah. That, that doesn't surprise me. He has a, his little... When he used to have his Instagram handle have a picture of him, a drawing of him as a Jedi Knight. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. that's kind of cute. For he's like actually a, a huge NFL. nerd. Like oh, really? He, he he loved Game of Thrones so much that he was in the last season. That's right. I forgot he arch- showed up there. Yeah. It's funny that he was an archer. That actually, I never even put that together. Oh, of course, okay. he'd be an archer. <laughs> he throws a fucking ball. Yeah, uh, yeah. Of course. yeah. He's like, uh, listen. Uh, Hey, D&D, you want to put me in as a... I think I'd be an archer. That's probably what I'd D&D's be. d is just like, just stressed out. Like, I don't know how... Listen, Aaron. Uh, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Go to the costume department. Just grab something. I Who's don't ru- who is that guy? I don't is know. He a basketball? I don't know. Whatever. Put him in. I don't give <laughs> a shit. In. God, everybody's going to hate us in three months. <laughs> At least we got that <laughs> golf guy in here. That golf guy. <laughs> um... Oh man. Okay. Yeah, that's Rashomon. Yeah, um, that's Rashomon. Yeah, I'm excited to do this season, man. It's gonna be, it's gonna be much different. I think in in a few ways for us. Um, mm. Doing classic classic movies, but also going like through. Uh, I think David. I think David Lean. We're gonna probably go through like three plus decades, which is kind of in, in only four or five movies, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, and then. Uh, Obviously, we're going to have some samurai movies with Kurosawa. We're going to do more super yeah. influential movies. We're going to do Seven Samurai, which is still being remade all the fucking time by like. I mean, many. how could you not? Yeah, Instead and I haven't seen. I haven't yeah. seen it. I haven't seen what's oh, yeah. the Western Magnificent. Seven. Mag- yeah, yeah, I haven't seen Magnificent Seven. I wanted to see. I haven't seen that. Yet. Yeah, the original, not the not the, your favorite Chris boy, Pratt. Chris Pat, Pratt. <laughs> Yeah, directed yeah. by Antoine Fuqua, uh, great American director. Um, and but not a great American film. Yeah, I heard it was fine. Like I heard it was fine. I heard it was fine too. Like actually. I can't trash. Isn't it Isn't Denzel in it? Yeah, Denzel. Fuck, maybe it's worth checking out. Um, it looked cool. Yeah, but then like it's kind of like, yeah, just that's what happens when you make a, a western these days. It's like, what? Why are you doing a okay? <laughs> that's like that's like everybody's response to like anybody making a western now, uh, but yeah. So first Kurosawa in the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, next week we're gonna be doing Brief Encounter. David Lean's the first movie of the season. I don't. I think it's his first Man, movie. I was ever. about to make it. I'm just gonna say it. It's a huh. stupid joke. Do it, and I hate it. He just encounters like briefs, and it's really funny. Ca- like, oh, we're gonna encounter David Lean's briefs. Yeah. 
It's underwear. That's going to be fun. <laughs> that's, that's so stupid. <laughs> I thought of it in my head like, that's such a dumb joke. On all cylinders. Yeah, on just, all cylinders, we're kicking this thing Hey, up. it's the, it, it's it's an hour and a half into the podcast. You can pretty much say whatever the fuck you, you do want at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so check that out if and where you can. If you have HBO Max, I think it is also an HBO Max. You can probably rent it on Amazon also. Or it's, I think, a Criterion movie too. Um, and I think that's going to do it. We got any, we got any plugs? No, just check out the huge, the huge, you know, Delphin pod and Avenger yeah. the, the sequel. I know Avenger you were sequel. on a few, um, saw a couple of those. I was on the bill and Ted one most recently. Check that one out. That was really mm-hmm. fun talking that, uh, countdown to Skywalker. I think it's count. The countdown yeah. strikes back now, uh, is their star Wars one. They're doing the Mandalorian recaps. Um, and God, what else? Cover, cover stories, stories yeah. cover stories. Um, always good stuff there. God, what? Why do I feel like there was something I really wanted to? Oh, Donald Trump lost. Everybody, get and a little. That's just how. I mean, that's just how listen, the cookie crumbles. That's how the cookie crumbled. Uh, and no, by no means does that mean all your problems are solved. Or that, is that your life somehow will get better because of some president. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just um, keep that. I think we should all stay humble in that way. Yeah, stay, stay <laughs> humble. Um, and yeah, and we'll check in with you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. See ya.